Welcome to Heels in the Courtroom, a podcast about successfully navigating law and life, featuring the women trial attorneys at the Simon Law Firm. Hello, welcome to another episode of Heels in the Courtroom. I'm here today, I'm Amy, with Erica and Mary, and our topic today is practicing law in the hashtag MeToo era, and whether things have changed, whether they should change, and we're going to be sharing some stories about our experiences with this topic. So I would love for Erica to start with her what I would think is a brilliant idea for (laughs) just awareness, just so people can understand places that are appropriate. Yeah. Well, you know, being the trendy blazer wearing gal I am, (laughs) there was some confusion among some of my male colleagues, not necessarily at this firm, but conversations I had had when a lot of the hashtag me too stuff was coming out over the news about oh my gosh, is nothing inappropriate? Can I not talk to women anymore? (laughs) And of course, we were all scandalized by the fact that some politicians that we were hearing of didn't take women to dinner and things like that on their own, which is just so disconcerting to, especially me as a young woman, to think that I would get passed over for a professional opportunity just because I'm a lady. (laughs) So anyway, so we thought that to, to... demonstrate what might be appropriate uh, conduct around women, we'd go ahead and take a red blazer and put green patches where it was acceptable to touch. (laughs) Now, these green patches pretty much cover maybe a two-by-two square inch area (laughs) on maybe both elbows, maybe a shoulder blade, maybe an upper arm. I think lower arm. Like you have to shake hands. In what context? But, but what about shaking hands? <laughs> you know, some people are two hand handshakers. Oh, you know, that like, is inappropriate. Yeah. Oh, okay. okay. So the, like the, every time I encounter a two hand shaker, I'm like, what? <laughs> it is kind of creepy. Back off. It's weird in its own way. That's true. It's, it's different. Weird. Not different. gender specific. Yeah. That's just a, just a strange uh, not, thing to just encounter. It's not necessary. Yeah. I just right. don't need that. But you know, especially in, so we've been in settings, especially with our male colleagues at legal events that are like fancy dinners and things like that where you know say someone's trying to usher you along in a crowd but you're in a professional setting it is completely appropriate to touch someone's elbow or when you see them you know to shake their hand if you're close with them and to pat their shoulder that is not something that is offensive but of course any other area on anywhere else a blazer the would touch. area. Yes. Wrong. Well, and let's just all agree that from the waist down is off limits. But anywhere wrong. else a blazer may trust, touch. Lower back. Uh, Waist. Yes. Any Anything in that area would go ahead and be a red zone. So do you think that we should mock this up? Probably. And just, you know, have it available for sort of the first time meeting someone. Like, <laughs> FYI. <laughs> <laughs> I wore my special blazer to this deposition today. Just yeah. for everyone. Please take benefit. note. <laughs> but only once. I just need to wear it once. Yeah. I think people would appreciate that. Especially, as you say, some of our colleagues who in is an overreaction. Right. To right. the news and the hashtag me too, which is, I don't know what to do. I mean, can I, can I say anything? Can I, what should I do? And I think that this was not original to me or to us, but there was a seminar that John Simon went to that was given by 
uh, a woman kind of on this topic. And the answer is to the question, what should I do? I don't know how to act anymore. And the answer is just don't be a creepy <laughs> and it really tells you that's all you need. I don't yeah. know how you need any more explanation from that. Right. And if you don't know if you're being one or not, then I don't, I mean, you probably don't have much hope. But most people, I think, do know when they're being that way. Well, and I'll say too, you know, I've been practicing under a decade, over five years at this point, And I consider myself an elder millennial in my mid 30s. And I have so many examples, unfortunately, of things that were pretty disappointing that they still happened or, or I was in an environment where that was acceptable behavior. And although things have come a long way, it has been, I think, only positive to, in hashtag me too awareness, to bring those things to the forefront and point out like, hey, this falls under the creep category. Without a doubt. Yeah. And if that is news to you, I would take some time to reevaluate your yeah. interactions with people. You need some education. My education. Friend. It's all about awareness. Just all about awareness. So it's nice bringing those experiences to the forefront. And then maybe people will listen and go, oh, yeah, that's happened to me before. That's inappropriate. Or they'll think, oh, I haven't had those happen, so I think I'm doing okay. Well, and sometimes it can be really subtle. And it's almost hard to reckon. Well... Never mind. My next story I recognized on the spot. <laughs> um, so I was in a uh, mediation about six months ago, and there was a retired judge that we were working with. And in our room, at least, there was another attorney, a male attorney from my firm, the, the referring attorney who was a male attorney, and then our two clients who were husband and wife. And we didn't settle the case, but at the end of the day, the mediator was going around, you know, thanking everyone for participating and kind of giving us all a good college try pat on the back. But what he actually did was shook everybody else's hand in the room, shook the two male attorney's hands, then our client's hands. And then he went to shake my hand and then like went in and said, oh, can I have a hug? And I, you know, he, based on the age, he was a very grandfatherly figure in contrast to me. And we had had a really great and productive day of, in some of the downtime, we were sharing stories and things like that. And, and I'm very social and chatty in those contexts. And it was just kind of really disappointing to me that he took my willingness to engage and be open during the day as like kind of putting me in this like oh I get a hug from you mm -hmm. and it, it was just really disappointing I left a bad taste in my mouth and just kind of made me feel a little small mm. but it was pretty subtle you know and and I'm sure I don't want to make excuses for him I don't think that the conduct was appropriate but I did not get any ill will from that sure. um, I've been in contacts where older male attorney is intending to smack me down by whatever you know derogatory or offensive thing that they've done but that's not how that was but it was it was pretty subtle and I didn't feel good about it part of what we are is performers whether it's in trial or in a deposition or even at a mediation part of what makes us good at our job is that we want to and I guess I'm thinking about a jury or anything that we need people to decide for us. So decision makers, we want to be likable to them. And ingratiate yourself to them. Right. Yeah. So again, whether it's judge, jury, mediator, client, whatever, we're on. 
and on means being friendly and like you say, ingratiating yourself and starting conversations and making it about that person or whatever it is. And it just occurred to me when you were saying that, that that sometimes can be, I think, misconstrued, particularly from a woman, right? So men in this profession also have to perform and we all kind of do it in a little bit different ways. But I hadn't really thought much about those two things going together like that. Mm. I've never known a woman, never known a woman who's been in a situation that's a hashtag me too situation, subtle or not so subtle that hasn't said, what did I do? Mm-hmm. What right. did I do? How did I get this? Right. And you picked up on almost the way I was even telling the story. The underlying inference was I acted friendly. Right. So I was asked for a hug. <laughs> and those two things shouldn't be a connection, you know. And I'm sitting there like, had I been colder, you know, would that 100%. situation not have happened? I don't think it, it would no, have. And no. so it's going through my head like, you know, am I going to be that friendly next time? You know, it, how, how is that going to change my behavior? And hopefully I won't let it, but you know, it's hard to let, hard not to let some of those thoughts creep into your mind. Your story, Erica, and any story where a female professional or a female attorney has experienced a moment where they're like, Ooh, I don't think that that was appropriate or that, that didn't feel right to me. You kind of get through it. And then after you're done with it, you go talk to other female colleagues or other female attorneys and you say, you say what happened and their immediate response is, well, what did you do? And it happens, mm-hmm. those moments happen so quickly that you don't even have time to process it or you're not yeah, expecting I, it. And then that happens. So I then returned you start, a hug. <laughs> yeah. yeah. See, you were you start, friendly. I was, right. You were doing your job. Friendly. Right. I mean, and I didn't embarrass my clients or put them in an uncomfortable yeah, position you were by saying, you know, oh, no, no, no. I only shake hands. Yeah. And I right. think. Which is true. And that happens. That happens sometimes. A more recent example of a kind of a phase, I'd say, in female attorneys on their way to becoming an attorney. So female law students. I did not personally have this experience, but several of my female law school friends did when they went to network and interview to get jobs. When they would interview with a more senior male attorney at a firm, sometimes the networking quote-unquote dinners or network quote-unquote coffees had a weird vibe to them from some of the girls that I would talk to. You know, for example, one of my friends went to dinner with a male attorney at a firm, a pretty prominent firm that she wanted to hopefully get an internship or a job at. And they hadn't exchanged numbers yet, just emails. And at the end of the meal, this guy asked for her phone number and said, let's do this again sometime. And it, the tone just changed from a networking lunch to a date somehow. And she immediately felt uncomfortable, but gave him a phone number because she thought, hey, right. I don't know. I'm trying to get a job. He works right. there. If I say no, then that'll put a bad taste in his mouth. The people who's going back to his firm might, he might tell them that I was weird or. You right. Because it's almost worse to be perceived as cold. Right. Mm-hmm. Like no one, want, no, no one wants to feel that way. Are you or, worried that you may have misunderstood and then, then you blame yourself for making an issue, which, you know, probably didn't misunderstand. No. But, and and no. even in, even in my friend's situation, the texting began with the Ooh. male attorney and she shut it down from that point. So she didn't misunderstand it, but it felt yeah. wrong. But again, you come back from that and she's thinking, wow, is this what networking is going to be like? Then 
oh my gosh, so so what did I was I too friendly? Oh, too did I tell her too much about? Did I tell him too much about me? And I'm using male female because that was just the example that I had. But sometimes in the Me Too movement, male attorneys, more senior male attorneys might listen to that story and think, I can never go out to right. a lunch with a female attorney again, especially if she's younger than me. That might be the, the takeaway. And I don't want that to be the takeaway. And then from the perspective of the my friend, the female law student at the time now, female attorney, she's thinking, well, I'm never, I don't know that I can go out and network with an older male attorney again, because now I'm going to be afraid of that. It's, you know it when you see it. And that that's the, that's the problem, because you can look back and say, yeah, but I, I don't know that every time somebody is a creepy asshole, they know they're being that way. And that's what everybody's worried about. But I don't think it's that hard. I, I don't think that there really is much confusion in what is because you shouldn't touch people in the red areas, right? <laughs> shouldn't do that, right? Colleagues, I mean, you just no, you probably shouldn't touch anybody. That's <laughs> <laughs> just <being> <laughs> yeah. I think that there is a power differential, and if there is a power differential, you have to be extra careful, particularly in employment situation. You should be aware, and it's not going to be too hard to understand. If you're a senior partner and there's a law student, what your role should be. I, that's not a hard, that's, that is an objective fact. Right. That is, should not be misconstrued. Well, and also in my experience, I think it has so much to do with firm culture as well. Mm -hmm. And if we're just talking about the context of employment in the legal field, you have to know if your firm has a culture problem with these types of things. I guess throughout internships and where I've worked in, since I've been licensed, I've worked in five different legal offices. And I will tell you, the culture of those firms had everything to do with holding everyone else to an appropriateness standard. Right. And it ranged from at work, uh, one of them in particular was an extremely professional firm during the day and every summer with the interns there was this one event that it was just kind of one of those things like everybody knows that at this one event you can kind of you know act inappropriately and just it's okay go. yeah like you can you know pretend like you're out at a bar with your boys or something and, and act that way towards all the female colleagues there and that was very bizarre to the other extreme of being in a firm where there really was kind of a frat boy culture, which is really hard and toxic to deal with sometimes, to the my current extreme, which I love every day, of the utmost professionalism and appropriateness, and I am never threatened at work, nor do I ever second guess how I'm going to be treated in regard to whether a colleague or someone will be appropriate towards me. I can't control opposing counsel in those situations, but at least when it comes to our firm culture, that's something that has been such a relief. It's good that we're continuing to to recognize and move forward. And, and Mary, I mean, I think it is awareness. It's, it's awareness. And again, I don't mind that there's some people who are a little, you know, nervous about it or confused about it. Oh, well, you know, you'll figure it out. Or, or how about just ask me and I'll tell you. Right. And just... If the, if the question from anyone who's confused, male, female, doesn't matter, 
does this mean I need to think before I act? Oh, wow. Oh, God, what a bummer. (laughs) (laughs) That's what it means. That's all it means. Just just think. Yeah, I I think that's, it is kind of interesting to think about the, what does this mean now? It doesn't mean anything different than everything we probably just should have been doing. (laughs) Right. And, And I think with this awareness, it's not just men. We had a training session, I don't know, maybe a year ago on this issue, sexual harassment in the workplace. And I, you know, you watch these films and they, some of them are so obvious. You're like, really? I have to <laughs> yeah. be told that? Someone has to be told that? And so you kind of laugh about it. But it made me think, I do a lot of honey baby darling. I do a lot of that with everybody, my secretary, my partners, my, I mean, I, I do it with everybody. And I have never had anybody say to me, I'm offended when you call me baby. But it made me think, because to me, it's about being familiar, and I'm comfortable with you, and I really like you, and I'm Southern, and that's just normal for me. But I can see where I take liberties with that. I think this confusion and this awareness is not just men thinking about it. And certainly, I would not start calling people baby honey darling the first time I meet them. But I also think that I'm very much, if I meet you once, I'll shake your hand. And by the end of the conversation, I'm going to hug you. Mm-hmm. I mean, unless you're just awful. I mean, really, it's just <laughs> you're awful. And that goes for like anybody, anywhere. Right. So I'm a hugger. And I have found uh, in the last few years, maybe not that many years, but I found more recently that as I'm going in for the hug, I say something like, I'm a hugger. So I'm explaining why I'm doing this as I'm doing it. And most people are like, oh, me too, or whatever. Not not hashtag me too. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, me too. But I've been thinking about that a little bit. And I think it's worth, I think it's worth being introspective about. I think it's worth taking a moment and saying, okay, at the end of this conversation, am I going to hug this person or just shake their hand and say, nice to meet you? And that's not a bad thing to have to think about, even as a woman. Giving someone a quick hug at the end of a conversation or if you're at a social event and you haven't seen them for a while, that's not a creepy asshole thing to do. It's just not. Now, if someone is giving you the clear indication that, that they're uncomfortable with that, then just maybe try to remember it. Maybe don't just say, oh, that person was just cold or having an off night, maybe think, oh, okay, that's just not something they're not as interested in physical touching. I don't know. Yeah. Or just, I mean, you know, what's the line? That's what everyone has the apparent question with. I think it's, you know, if you know someone for a number of years and every time you've seen them and you've given them a hug and now there's Me Too movement, if you see that person you're still going to give them a hug because that's what you have been doing. That is the nature of the relationship you have with this person. And it's never been a problem. Yes. Versus, okay, I'm going to go into this room and I'm going to shake everybody's hand at the end of this conversation, but the girl on the end, I'm going to hug her. That's just a little, it's kind of, it's, it's weird. It's just weird. And that, that's what I was thinking, you know, in my example, it, it stood out and the male attorneys, because the interesting thing is the mediator and the male attorneys had each known each other for years and years and years and have mutual friends and all that stuff. But I don't know, I guess boys don't go around hugging too often. (laughs) And, and, you know, it it was such a stark contrast. Yeah. So it kind of seems 
it kind of seems like context matters and being aware matters. If you're a competent adult or person carrying themselves day to day, you know the context that you're in and how to act appropriately. And if you don't and you're wondering whether or not you should touch the person before you do, just don't. Right. Because that's probably refrain. the safer of the two options. Just refrain. And one of the things, too, that I think really sheds light on the fact that you can understand context and you can be aware and do so successfully. And I'm not trying to brag too much about our firm, but Erica just said that this firm's culture is excellent in that regard. So I know there's a way to do it. So right. for anyone who has a question, it's possible. Just maybe have to think a second before you act in the way that you're going to act. And if you do wonder whether that's right or wrong, let's just go with don't do it. Yeah. And if you are in a position of leadership in a firm and you know that your firm culture is off in that regard, please, please, please be take on that leadership objective of doing what you can to change that firm culture because it's very, very toxic for young attorneys. And the practical effect of it is not rocket science. The practical effect of having that culture in your firm is women don't want to work there. Mm-hmm. And if you're okay with having a law firm with very few women to represent your clients who largely are, you know, businesses or people, a lot of which are going to be women. And if you're okay with the culture that prevents women from coming to your firm or staying at your firm, then I just think that is sure again, that's very short sighted, but that that's it's a business. This isn't a family that you just have to tolerate, uncle, whatever. But it is, it's a business. And you should just be aware of what effect it is having on your business. And if there's someone who's a problem that's causing good, talented women lawyers from not wanting to be there or from leaving there, then you need to rethink what you're doing for your business and for your employees. Because it affects your bottom line. It does. And it's, you know, I have no shame bringing all these things back to bottom line because that's what it affects. Aside, you know, it's very important, the damage, emotional damage it can do to people, you know, us thinking it's wrong, but it's really, I mean, it affects your bottom line. It does. And women talk. I have, and everyone here uh, knows people, knows women in law school who are looking for jobs. And if I know something about a particular lawyer or a particular firm, I share that information. I think it's my job to do that. I refrain from specific names sometimes. But I will say, so I have a law clerk in my office and she says, I'm looking for a job. Can you help? And we brainstorm what kind of where she, what work she wants to do, where she wants to do it, that type of thing. Pull up a website And guess what I look at? Ratios. I do it every time I walk into a courtroom, every time I walk into a boardroom, every time I walk into a classroom, I count men to women. So I look at that ratio and I look at the women there and I think, huh, there are quite a few young women there, but not not older women. Now, there could be a lot of reasons for that. You know, they're just stuck at the top or no one stays long enough or whatever it is. But if one of those reasons that there aren't women in leadership is because the culture is not amenable to that, whether it's hashtag me too or whatever other limiting things can happen there. That's crazy to me. And I say, don't waste your time there. Or I say, look, call one of the women there and ask them. And maybe they'll tell you, maybe they won't. I think women are pretty honest about these things. But I just don't understand the business part of it. 
To me, there are lots of choices, and we know which law firms have the good cultures and which don't. It's not, it's not hard to know. It's a small community. It's a small uh, profession, and we know these things. So it just does. It's never made any sense to me that that type of extreme behavior, or not even extreme behavior, is tolerated. It just can't be worth it. And Amy, that just happened. I don't know a month or so ago. Uh, someone who we both know, who's now a an, a practicing attorney. She has had a couple years under her belt and was looking to possibly make a move. And now that she is a practicing attorney, she has the experience of working at a firm with all male colleagues. And I know that another firm had an opening and we were talking about it. And her first question to me was, well, can you just ask Amy what she knows about the firm culture? Because if it's a move from where I'm at now to another firm, exactly how I am now, I'm not going to do it. And she is brilliant. Yeah. She'd be a great asset to any law firm. Yep. Anywhere. And that was her first question was, now that she has a couple years living in the firm that she's in, she's like, please give me the rundown of what the firm culture is if you know anything about it to make sure it's an upward move for me as far as firm culture goes. That was her number one priority. Yeah, and I think that that's a luxury right now. The employment is good. There are people who want jobs are getting jobs. They can be picky. It's a buyer's market, and I'm very thankful for that. But what I think it tells you as a firm is if you've got these problems, you need to figure it out. You're going you're going to lose good, talented female lawyers. And I'm here to tell you, you need them. You need us. You do. You're right, Amy. They do need us. The only thing you need to do is stay in the green zone, out of the red zone, and everyone <laughs> will be fine. That's right. <laughs> Thanks for joining us today. We hope you got some much-needed education out of this episode. If you have comments for us, want to contact us, please find us online at heelsinthecourtroom.law, and we'll see you next time. Cheers. 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 Heels in the Courtroom is brought to you by The Simon Law Firm. Connect with Amy, Liz, Mary, Erica, or Elizabeth at heelsinthecourtroom.law.